Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name's Chris. I am, uh, I'm here from Atlanta, sort of the Atlanta area, but I grew up at a little town about 20 miles north of here that may or may not have had a high school mascot that was a bulldog. <laughs> I was like, are you sure you want me to come here? But I'm all Eagles this weekend. That may or may not have been a lie. Okay, um, it's great to see y'all though. Thank y'all for that. I've had such a great time with your students this weekend. Love this church. Uh, I currently, I, I served in youth ministry for a long time and uh, just wrapped up a 17-year uh, stint as a youth pastor at a church over in Marietta, Georgia. It's where I got to know Alec and Ashley. And uh, recently, about 10 months ago, I started working for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. I uh, oversee next-gen ministry throughout the state of Georgia, uh, both children's ministry and youth ministry uh, get to be a part of that. And I will tell you, I've traveled a lot of churches in the last lot, last 10 months, and there's some great churches out there, no doubt. But I, I tell you, there are some churches that are, are, are struggling a little bit, and as I've been a part of your church this weekend, I just want to say thank you for being faithful. Uh, it has been a hard couple years, this little thing called COVID that's impacted so many of us. But y'all seem to be doing really, really well. So I want to encourage you with that and encourage you to continue to reach Niceville and the surrounding communities with the gospel like you're doing. Uh, you're doing a great job. So uh, your students have been incredible this weekend. We've had an awesome time looking at a lot of, lot of great topics, and we'll talk about those here maybe in a few minutes just as a reminder of, of what we've been going through. Well, hey, uh, I have to admit, uh, as we're getting to know each other, I have to admit that I am a bit impulsive at times. Anybody else? Any, do I have any other impulsive friends? I see the hand. Thank you. It feels good to acknowledge. Impulsively, you just threw your hand up just then. I, I, know, what you're, I know what's going on. Yeah, me? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm a little bit impulsive sometimes. Uh, like the time that uh, I was asked, would you like to hold this snake? And I said, Yes. And it was this big, ginormous yellow python. Um, and as I was holding it, I was like, why did I say yes to this? This was not the greatest idea. Or like the time I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and one of my buddies said, hey, we should ride that. And when he said, hey, we should ride that, he was referring to one of those big swings that, you know, like it looks like the St. Louis Arch, and they pull you back in that thing, and you have to pull the lever, and then they release you. Uh, that was scary. I'm not sure why I said yes to that impulsively like I did, uh, because it was terrifying. I had to pull the lever. Not only that, I realized that the dropping's not the scary part. The scary part is when you come up, and you stop in midair for 0.2 seconds, and you realize you're now got to go the other way as well. And that's terrifying. Um, definitely impulsive when it comes to that. Impulsive also when it comes to cotton candy, popcorn, and ice cream. Uh, definitely impulsive with anybody else. Can I get one? Yeah, come on. Popcorn. Oh, I love popcorn so much. Uh, sweet popcorn, salty popcorn. Don't even get me started with kettle corn. It's so good. Uh, definitely impulsive with those things. But not all of my impulsiveness has turned out so bad. Some of us turned out pretty good. When I met my awesome wife, Wendy, the first time, I had an impulse. Uh, I had an impulse to ask her out on a date. And as a result of that impulse, she said, no, wait. No, she said yes. And, and we ended up going out on a date, and now we're blessed to have uh, been married for 27 years, have two amazing kids, uh, one that's in college, one that's about to be in college. And so that, that impulse turned out pretty good. Um, I, I made a decision one time, believe it or not, uh, to, I was living in Crestview and 
Two weeks before college started, I decided to go ahead and move away from home. Two weeks before school started, I moved to University of Mobile over in Mobile, Alabama, just impulsively decided, that's it, I'm, I'm gonna move away, I'm gonna do this thing. Um, that turned out pretty good. I met my wife there and got some of the best experience I've ever had when it comes to working in a church and ministry, and so that one turned out great as well. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a pretty impulsive disciple named Peter. This guy's pretty impulsive. Uh, if you've studied the life of Peter much, uh, just in case you're new to Bible study, this is a little bit of background on Peter. Uh, we've been talking about him with our students the last couple days. We started out uh, by talking about uh, this moment. Well, we, we, well, yesterday we talked about, let me tell you that. Yesterday we talked about that, that story where Peter says uh, to Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you are, in fact, uh, the Christ. Um, because all of a sudden Jesus is asking folks, hey, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, a lot, they say a lot of great things about you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter impulsively uh, just speaks up and says, I believe that you are the son of God. You are the Christ. That's Peter. He's impulsive like that. He's also impulsive in the sense that uh, he was in this moment. We talked about this on Thursday night, this moment where Jesus decides to use uh, Peter's boat uh, as basically a stage. And he, he gets in the boat, puts it out from shore, and he teaches the people from that. But at the end of that, he says to Peter, hey, why don't you go ahead and put your nets down one more time? Peter had been out fishing all night long, hadn't caught a thing. He knows as a fisherman, the fish are not out there. But he goes ahead and does it anyway. He's hopeful that maybe Jesus knows something that he does not. Sure enough, he lets the net down, and the net fills up so much that they have to get two boats, and both boats start to sink, the Bible says. That's incredible. And Peter falls to, the, to his knees and says, you know, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. He recognized that it's a God moment. But in that moment also, impulsively, a good impulse, when Jesus says, follow me, Peter says, yes. And he gives up what he's doing, and he goes into ministry, essentially, dropping his career as a fisherman and becoming a minister with Jesus. Also, this is the guy who eventually cuts off a, an ear, um, which I think is a pretty good thing to have on your resume, having cut off an ear. I've never done that. Um, I don't know why I said that, because I'm talking to teenagers most of the time. Um, I forget sometimes there are adults in the room. Anybody else have that problem? Just me? Okay, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he does that whenever Jesus is, when they're trying to arrest Jesus, he whips out a sword, cuts off an ear. I would say that's pretty impulsive, and we can debate what later whether or not that was good or bad. Um, by me asking the question, you probably think, you know, what I think from that. That said, here's another incredibly impulsive moment by Peter that turns out incredible. We're going to read about it right now. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter, I should know that, 14, chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14. beginning in verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. All right, here we go. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. 
and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, take courage as I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Let's pray. God, thank you for this incredible story that you're giving us the privilege of hearing about that happened so many years ago. But right now in this moment, God, we pray that you would honor this time and you would honor the hearing of your word and that as a result of God, we would hear exactly what it is that you're wanting to say to each of us. Help us to respond accordingly and we pray that you would be honored this morning overall. God, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. One of the things I've been talking with your students about this weekend is I've, I've, I've said a couple times to them, context is everything. It's, incre it's incredibly important when you read scripture that you take the time to make sure you know what you're reading and the context in which it was happening. It's especially true right now, and it happens right off the bat. In verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Here's what happened right before this moment. What we know for sure is that he was teaching in a crowd. Big crowd gathered around, and he was teaching them. And he dismissed the crowd. But what we also know is that right before that moment, that was when Jesus had found out that John the Baptist had died. So Jesus was dealing with the weight of the loss of John the Baptist. But not only that, he had also wrapped up this incredible experience of feeding the 5,000. These are the things that took place leading up to this moment. So it makes a lot of sense why Jesus would dismiss the crowd and then say to the disciples, go on, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break here. And he goes up to the mountain mountainside by himself and prays. And it says, later that night he was there alone, and verse 24 says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. This was happening on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is not really a sea, it's a lake. It looks a lot like when you walk out here and you look out on the bay, uh, except here's what's unique about it. Um, as you're on the Sea of Galilee, whether you're in a boat or if you're on the side, it's basically surrounded by mountains. But a lot of times when we think of mountains, we think of large, big mountains like you might find if you go up into Tennessee. These are more like hills that surround the area, but they, they get up pretty high. This was how Jesus was able to go up into that 
but yet he was able to see out what was out onto the water, what was happening when the storm happened. Now it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now what we know about this also contextually is that this was taking place sometime around that 3, 4 a.m. type of time frame, maybe five, because it happened before dawn. And that means, um, and when we look back, there are a couple other uh, translations that, that talk about it in, in Roman times, what this would have meant. And we know that it's before daylight hits, which is important because of what's about to happen. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Well, we know that it was dark outside, so in this moment, they, Jesus must have been close enough that it, it might have been a well, you know, moonlit night, we don't know, but he was close enough, though, that the disciples were able to see something walking on the water. Now, remember this. When it says that the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. I've never seen anybody walking on water. If we were riding around today in Niceville and we crossed over a bridge and, and we saw somebody out walking on the water, or we just happened to be walking by one of the, the bay areas around here, that would be terrifying if you think about it. Because it's not natural to see someone walking on water. That's a little bit unusual. Would you agree? And so all of a sudden, they're out there. No wonder they, you know, even they didn't know it was Jesus. All the, they, they see somebody walking on the water, and it scares them to death. But Jesus tries to calm them, and he says, hey, take courage, that is I. Also remind us, he must have been at least close enough that they could have hear, heard him speaking in that moment. Verse 28, though, here's the impulsiveness of Peter. Peter immediately says, hey, Lord, if it's you, uh, tell me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus says, come. Now, I'm not sure what happened there in Peter's mind, but I have a feeling it has something, it ha and it's probably similar to the times that I am sometimes impulsive, and I go, oh, great, what have I gotten myself into? Anybody else ever had one of those moments where you, you volunteer for you say something, you're like, great, what have I done? Now I've got to do this thing. So all of a sudden, Peter is in this moment where, sure enough, he is now going to have to do. So he got to do what he's, he's volunteered to do here and ask Jesus if he could do. Now, so he has to get down out of the boat uh, as a result. Now, I, while I was in Israel, it was an awesome experience to get to be there. Uh, they had one year this massive drought, and as a result of this drought, the water level in the Sea of Galilee got so low that they actually discovered an old boat from that's dated back to this time period. And they've restored that boat. And the boat, I would say, is basically to, from kind of the distance from the edge here to the edge there of the stage. But the other thing that's unique about the way uh, these boats look, and I think in Niceville, you're pretty familiar with boats, it had a really deep hull to it. So it wasn't like a bass boat or like a little John boat. It was a boat that had a pretty deep hole. So Peter would have had to climb up on the edge of this thing and kind of, you know, throw his legs around in order to actually get out of the boat. And I can only imagine how scary that must have been for him as he threw his legs around and he was about to get into the water. But he did it. He got out, and it says that he walked on water, and he came towards Jesus. We don't know how long he walked on water, but he walked on water. But then it tells us 
that he was distracted by the things around him. He saw the wind and he, got, and he became afraid. And he cried out, Lord, help me. He's out of the boat now. He's walked on water, but he gets scared and he begins to sink. He loses faith in that moment. And sure enough, he looks to Jesus and says, help. And Jesus helps him. Jesus helps him. Awesome. Then, as they get back in the boat, Peter, Jesus, they get to the boat. This is immediately, nope, verse 32. They climb back into the boat. Then verse 33, um, the wind died down in verse 32, actually. The wind died down. The storm stopped, which was awesome. And then, all of a sudden, everybody in the boat realizes that, sure enough, it is incredible what's happened, and they worshiped him as a result, which reminds us of a story that happened earlier whenever we talked about how Peter, when he recognized whose presence he was in, whenever all the fish were caught, he bowed down and he worshiped. What a great story. The question is, how does it impact each of our lives? How does it impact our lives? So let's talk about that for a few minutes. If you're a note taker, here's some things you could write down. Um, what, what we learn uh, from this story. Well, here's, here's a few things we learn. Number one, following Jesus is not boring. It's an adventure. Following Jesus is not boring. It's an adventure. Folks, I want to remind you today that, you know, Peter and the disciples, man, they had an amazing story to tell after this night. Can you imagine? Everybody's got a good story. You got a good story in your back pocket that you kind of use from time to time. You know, whenever you're just, everybody's telling their stories and something cool happened to you, and you're like, yeah, well, this one time I did this thing, and that's like your back pocket story. Imagine the story that these guys had as a result of this. Well, one time we were out on the lake and it was storming. We thought we were gonna die, but sure enough, we saw somebody walking on water. It was Jesus, and then Peter, you know how Peter is, he decided he was gonna walk on water as well, so he asked Jesus. Jesus said yes, and he did, but he didn't stay, he didn't walk very long. He, he said, you know, but that, that's the story, incredible, incredible story, but that's adventurous. Following Jesus is not boring. It's an adventure. Now, it's possible that some folks in here are, today are going, wait, is it? Because I feel like what I kind of do on Sundays is I come to church for an hour and I do that church thing, and when it comes to my faith, there's not really a lot happening there. But man, listen, there are some adults who understand that it's an adventure, man. Adults and students, man, they serve in church. They volunteer to serve. They're working with bed babies. They're working with, you know, young children, teens. They're working in adult Sunday school classes, teaching one another. They're volunteering at other things that the church does, refugee ministry, all these things that are happening. There's so many ways that some adults understand that this is an adventure. This is something we do. We don't just stay in the boat. There are some adults who live an adventurous life when it comes to trusting God with their income. They recognize that they are called to tithe and give, and even though it doesn't make sense from a worldly standard, they still adventurously step out and give according to what they believe God has called them to give, trusting God with their money, stepping out in faith. 
That's adventurous. Whenever you're not sure how you're gonna pay rent, but yet you still trust God and you give, that's adventurous. When you're not sure how you're gonna put your kid into college and you still step out and you get, that's adventurous. They trust God with their income. Some, some people realize they want to live this life of adventure and they cannot keep the story of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to themselves and they share Christ with complete strangers. That's adventurous. When you're gonna talk to somebody you don't even know about Jesus, that's pretty personal. Hey, I'd like to point out the fact that you have sin in your life. Would you like to know Jesus? Like that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty wild, that's pretty adventurous. But there are some people who recognize that following Jesus is not boring. It's an adventure. And I believe that in this room this morning, there are probably some folks that need to be reminded of this. That they've been doing the same old, same old, year after year, day after day, and there needs to be a reminder that following Jesus is not boring. That we have opportunities, whether we're young or whether we're seasoned, aka gray hair retired, right? And I love those folks, the backbone of the church so often, but God is not done. There's adventure out there. Second thing I believe we learn from the story is that following Jesus can be scary. Again, no doubt about it, man, when Peter climbed up on that big tall hole and had to get over the edge of that thing and step out into the water, man, he had to be scared to death. He had to be scared to death, man. And listen, sometimes the things uh, Jesus calls us to do, they, they are scary, man. It takes a lot of guts to stand up to some of your closest friends and tell them what, you, what you're not going to take part in or um, what you're gonna do because it, it's not what they would do. It takes a lot of guts to do that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of, a lot of guts um, to talk to people that you work with that are not believers about your faith. And it can be scary. If you happen to be, if you happen to be in, a, in a work environment where you're kind of the only Christian there, and there's nobody else that seems to be serious about their faith. It can be scary, the thought of standing up for your faith. It can be terrifying. Just like Peter was scared. But that willingness to step out of the boat is so, so important still. The third thing I think we learn is that following Jesus is often you and you alone getting out of the boat. I just wanted y'all to be encouraged this morning. <laughs> that's not that encouraging, I know. But the fact is, is that sometimes it really is you. Because here's what I think probably happened. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, uh, tell me to come to you. Come. And here's Peter. And all the other disciples are going, you're the one that said it, go ahead. They're, they're, not, they're not, oh yeah, we're going too. No, they're like, uh-uh, we didn't volunteer to step out of the boat. You, you volunteered to step out. And so all of a sudden, he's out there by himself. But he really isn't alone, is he? He's with Jesus. But as far as our friends, sometimes our family, sometimes it's just us. He stepped out of the boat on his own. And that's what it's gonna feel like sometimes. It's gonna feel like that when you're working and, and you're willing to step out. It's gonna feel like you're the only one sometimes. If you're in school, it's gonna feel like sometimes you're the only one that's taking your faith serious. Sometimes it's gonna feel that way. But Jesus is the one that's there. And he's the one that whenever Peter says, Jesus, help, 
he helps Peter. Fourth thing we learn from this story is that there will be distractions that will keep you from following Jesus if you let them. There will be distractions that keep you from following Jesus if you let them. Anybody in here uh, gone through hard times before? I think that's probably all of us, right? Um, my family, we jokingly say everybody's got something. I say we jokingly say that. We kind of jokingly kind of seriously say that everybody's got something uh, because we recognize that part of living on this earth that there are going to be hard times and distractions. My son, has a ma- he had to have major uh, back surgery years ago because he had scoliosis. He's got these two rods that go down his back for any Wolverine fans in the room. You should see his x-ray. He looks like Wolverine. I mean, it's intense. And two metal, two metal rods. My daughter had to wear a brace all during middle school uh, as a result of her scoliosis. My wife, uh, a couple years ago, right at about two and a half years ago, went through breast cancer. Um, I unfortunately deal with these vertigo issues from time to time. Um, And here's the thing, we recognize that our story compared to some other people, the stuff they go through, it's really not even that bad. There are other people who go through a whole lot worse. But here's the thing. We try our best to keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of all of those hard times. We're not perfect, and we do get down. But we try to recognize that hard times will come. We've been through hard times over the last couple of years. Wouldn't you agree? These have been some of the most challenging times. There are folks in this room, listen, some of my uh, seasoned friends in the room, you probably would have thought, that there never would have been a time where you thought you would have gone through what you've gone through the last couple of years. It has been that while we will look back on the last couple of years with this COVID thing, years from now we'll be looking back on this, trying to figure out what the heck happened. But it's how, how we keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of that. Because the distractions will come. But it's not always the major things, right? Hey, moms, can I get a witness? It's not always the major things. Sometimes it's you're about to have your quiet time, but you have toddlers, and, and you would just be happy to go to the bathroom by yourself, let alone actually have a quiet time. You, you track it with me, moms? Can I get it? Yeah. And, and, and dads, you're, you're trying to figure out just how to get to work on time, get out the door, but yet still be a good husband, good dad in the midst of all the crazy. It's sometimes the little things that distract us as well. It's not just the big things. But there will be distractions that will keep us from following Jesus if we let them. But the key is that we keep our eyes on Jesus. So what can we do about it? One We just need to keep getting to know Jesus. We need to spend time reading our Bible, praying, and studying God's word. Hey, listen, folks, if you're here today, I wanna just give you a real practical point here. If you're here and you don't on a regular basis, in other words, daily, shoot to spend time in God's word, this could be the moment what God's got you here for today. That literally every day you do your best to open up God's word, spend time learning and growing in your knowledge of Jesus and praying, actually writing out a prayer list and praying for your loved ones, praying that God would help strengthen you in the midst of all that. But another thing uh, that we can do is drop the dead weight and and time killers that are keeping uh, you from following Jesus like you should. I told the first service uh, that I wrote that one when I was thinking I was gonna be in front of teenagers, so it's a little bit kind of in your face a little bit. Um, but, but I left it because I feel like it's, it's, it's practical here. Listen, we know that there are time killers in our lives. It's real easy to point our fingers at teenagers and how bad they are on their phones. 
man, teenagers, the way they use their phones. But I've got pictures in my phone literally of moments I've been in restaurants of adults doing the same thing. I was at, I was at a shrimp basket in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Roll Tide. Um, and <laughs> thank you. And I have a picture of four senior adults sitting on a bench waiting to be seated and all four of them were sitting there scrolling Facebook. Listen, this is not a teenage problem. This is a people problem. And I know literally that everybody in the room doesn't fall into this category, okay? I know that some of you are doing good. But listen, it's those things that can become a distraction for us and distract us from following Jesus like we should. Does that make sense? Fair enough? Okay. Um, So what do you do about it? It's a little bit of a crossroad, if you will. We're at a little bit of a crossroad if we're trying to interpret this and apply this. Um, We could choose to stay in the boat and live a comfortable, risk-free lifestyle like everybody else does. That's one option. And and that is an option that a lot of adults, a lot of church-attending adults choose. They just stay in the boat. They check that box off of, I went to church on Sunday. I tipped God with a little bit of my money and they live a risk-free lifestyle like everybody else does. That's what some folks live. Or we could become water walkers. I stole this idea from a book that I read about getting out of the boat by John Ortberg and he calls these folks water walkers. People that are water walkers, listen to some of these characteristics of water walkers. They recognize God's presence. Water walkers, They recognize God's presence. Man, Peter recognized God's presence in that moment and was willing to get out of the boat as a result of that. It's important that sometimes we are willing to recognize, I think God is in that and I need to be a part of that thing, whatever that thing might be. And this could be happening in your family, at work, in your neighborhood, who knows where. It's not just what happens here in this building. That's incredibly important to remember. Water walkers recognize God. Here's another characteristic. They also know the difference between faith and foolishness. They know the difference between faith and foolishness. Please notice, before Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water, what does he do? He says, Jesus, if it really is you, can I come as well? So in other words, he didn't just go, oh, there's Jesus, woo, jumps out into the water. He's trying to, you know, because, no. And it's important for us to remember that when it comes to walking with the Lord, we need to make sure we are prayerfully considering the opportunities that exist for us and not make foolish decisions and turn around and go, God, why weren't you with me on that thing? We have to recognize that we need to seek the Lord in all of those things. Another characteristic is ultimately what we've been saying, which is water walkers, they get out of the boat. They get out of the boat. Remember, man, this is a bunch of skilled sailors that... They were terrified, so it must have been a really, really bad storm. It must have been terrible for them to be scared. But yet they got out of the boat. Well, Peter got out of the boat in the midst of that. I think in life there are times where we are skilled at what we do, and we look around at the circumstances that are around us, and everything logically says to us, there's no way out to proceed. But sometimes we have to be willing to step out in faith regardless of what we're feeling in that moment. 
Another thing is, uh, another characteristic is water walkers expect problems. Peter goofed up. He took his eyes off Jesus. I would love to be able to say to you that I never goof up, that I always keep my eyes on Jesus, but you know that's not true. And I know that's not true of you. We, all, we need to realize that there are going to be moments where we take our eyes off Jesus. And we need to be prepared for those problems. And then as a result of that, another characteristic is we need to master failure management. We need to master failure management. I mean, we need to recognize that we're not going to live perfectly for the Lord, that there are all gonna be times where we make those mistakes. And so therefore, we need to be prepared for that and be able to handle ourselves when we fail. Peter sank, but he's also the only person that I know of besides Jesus that walked on water. But it drew him closer to the Lord because another characteristic is that water walking brings a deeper connection to God. I can tell you some of the most difficult things we've ever been through, you would never choose to go through them again if you had an option, but yet there's that weird thing about following the Lord that you're thankful that you've experienced them because it drew you closer to the Lord. It's not as if my wife would ever choose to go through breast cancer again, but I can tell you with integrity that she is thankful for what it taught her regarding how the Lord provides. There's something about those moments that we go through hard times. Even when we fail, there's something about that. If we turn back to the Lord, because remembering that Peter sank, but what did he do? He said, Jesus, help me. So important to remember during those moments. So folks, what is the Lord saying to you today? I really believe God's word is alive and I believe that in moments like this, he has a word for each and every one of us. And I would encourage you just to maybe wrestle with, hey, what is God saying to me today through this? What is that nudge, that area of my life that he's nudging me with? But I'd also like to say that it's very possible that you may be showing up here today and you hear all this talk about water walking and Jesus and you're going, that sounds fine and good, but I can't even say that I know Jesus well enough to ask him to let me get out of the boat, that I don't even know that I really have made the decision to follow Christ. Well, I'll encourage you uh, that after we're done here in a few minutes, after we sang the closing song, there will be pastors standing up front that would be willing to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. And I would encourage you not to let another day go by without knowing what that means. I would also encourage you during our time of worship here in a few moments while we're singing, that if God has spoken to you, that maybe instead of singing in that moment, you close your eyes and you just talk to the Lord about what it is you hear him saying. But there's also a way that you could text uh, the church, the staff here, and in that moment, that would allow you to text someone and they could reach out to you and set up a time if there's something you would like to talk with one of the ministers here on staff about. Whatever that is, though, my hope and prayer for you today is that you've been encouraged to get out of the boat every once in a while a little more through God's word. And I wanna pray for you as we think about that and then we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song as well uh, as we wrap up. So let's pray. Father, I just wanna thank you for this time that we've been able to study your word and consider it as what you're saying to each of us this morning. 
again, I'm praying you would give folks here the courage to step out on faith, get out of the boat more often. God, I, I'm so thankful for this church, Bayshore, and I, I, I'm thankful for what you seem to be doing here in this church. I pray that your favor would continue to be on Bayshore as they try to reach Niceville with the gospel. So I pray your blessings would be on them. But in this moment right now, as we sing our, our closing song, God, I pray that you would give, that you would give folks here the willingness just to talk to you and commit to you what it is you would have for them. So God, we give all this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.